Hi friends, Evelina here. Welcome to the Homecomings Podcast, an audible initiative sharing vulnerable conversations with purpose-driven creatives on their life journeys, all with the intention to inspire people listening to discover the meaning of home in their own lives and come deeper back to their truest versions of self. We use home as a metaphor to represent all that beckons comfort, familiarity, and belonging for your unique life journey. Whether that's through the work that you do, the people you surround yourself with, or the things that bring you the most joy in life. Because to live a life with more home means to live a more mindful and beautiful life. And isn't that the greatest intention for us all? I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hello, friends. Happy Pod Tuesday. Happy final Pod Tuesday, at least for this first season of the Homecomings podcast. If you've been here since episode one, I truly cannot thank you enough. It means so much for you to have tuned in, to have listened to all of the episodes in this season. I know there are a gazillion podcasts out there, so for you to have selected this one means so much. And hopefully you have been able to garner any wisdom nuggets from the guest interviews that I've had, the incredible purpose-driven women who I've had on the show. It's been so fulfilling for me personally to sit down with each and every single one of them, hear their stories deeper. And it's, I think what's even more beautiful is the fact that I've worked with them personally through my business, whether it's been through branding or other design support. And so I've already cultivated a relationship and have heard their stories, but to dive even deeper through this platform, I was, I left every episode truly shocked at so many of the takeaways, details that I didn't know of unexpected rabbit holes and just words of wisdom that they shared that I felt like I needed to hear in that exact moment. You know, when like you stumble across a random article or a podcast or a book and you pick it up and you're like, oh my God, like this is the answer that I've been searching for. I feel like more often than not, after I got off a recording with my guest, it was like, whoa, like I needed to hear that in this season of my life. So I personally have derived so much value. I hope to whatever capacity they've touched or influenced your lives. I hope that these episodes spoke to you as well. And so it's a bit bittersweet to be coming on today and doing this intro to introduce my final episode here with my dearest guest, Jessica Hendricks-Yee, who I have on the show today, the founder of the beautiful Zahava Jewelry. And I'll get into a bit about the guest in a minute, but before I do, I just wanted to share some some sentiments around this idea of fear and diving into something that feels very scary, but then going through with it in specific context and relationship to this podcast, I will say, um, because you know, it's wild. It's episode 10 and here I am kind of feeling a little, um, I don't know, just like bittersweet about it because it's been such a fulfilling venture and, you know, season two is coming after the new year. I already have nearly every single episode already recorded. So more is going to come in 2024 friends, but it's truly, I think the most wild for me to consider that I was so absolutely terrified just 10 weeks ago with the launch of episode one, you know, this podcast idea came to me in early February, I think I want to say. So it's been almost a year where I just like got this idea where I'm like, I feel like I need to talk to my clients and hear their stories and share them on a platform somewhere. And originally I thought, okay, they're going to be featured on my website, but then I'm like, wait, who's going to go on my website and listen. And I'm like, if these stories are amazing and worth hearing, then like they should be more easily accessible. And then, you know, the idea evolved and eventually I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a podcast. And 
I think it's always interesting to me how ideas will come to us. And I love looking back and almost reflecting on the evolution of them. Like something that started as like something you could say random or miscellaneous, almost like grew legs and started walking and then running <laughs> towards something um, just bigger and more exciting. And yeah, just all the knowings and feelings of this feels right and I have to do this. And so it unfolded to be a beautiful and fulfilling project for me, absolutely. But what was even more interesting was to witness how I embraced fear in the moment, because I think I imagine for most of us listening, I mean, for all of us listening, you know, there's always moments that we're going to navigate where there's something really uncertain or new that comes our way. And fear, I think, is our first human nature response, right? We're scared. There's uncomfort. Whenever we're brought out of our little comfort bubble, we're like, what's going to happen? Pushing through it, doing it. In hindsight, you look back and you're like, what? Like, what was I scared of? And this was literally the situation for me with this podcast. Like after I released the first episode, and I think it was actually concretized to me after episode two, I'm like, this is so fine, <laughs> you know? And so I think I just wanted to share that for anyone listening who's in a moment of uncertainty and they're live right now, navigating fears, doubts, all, you know, all the things, taking the first step to doing it. And, you know, sometimes it's taking the first step. It could be one of two things. It's like taking baby steps to actually move through with it. And then it becomes less scary. Or sometimes you just have to rip the bandaid off. In this instance, I feel like I had to do both. I had to take the baby steps to I mean, there were a lot of steps, you know, reaching out to the guests, scheduling the interviews, doing the interviews, you know, editing, launching. It was a lot of steps, but then the bandaid was ripped off when the first episode absolutely launched. But either way, whether you're kind of building up to it or you're just diving in with both feet, more often than not, once you do it, you look back and you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. And if you've been a listener to the show I'm sure you have noticed that a question that I always love to ask my guests is around their fears. What kind of fears have you navigated in your business or along your journey? And how did you work through them? Because I feel like fear is such a, it's such a multifaceted idea, especially in our culture and society. I think a lot of people have negative sentiments around fear, but I think what I've noticed time and time again in interviewing all my guests and even just reflecting on my own personal experiences, I think it's a beautiful opportunity for leverage. Like can you, if you can leverage the fears and the doubts to keep you going, then in, in, if you push through them, it's going to be okay on the other, on the other end. And, you know, there's also a beautiful quote. I forget who said this. I think I've heard multiple people say this to date since I've originally heard it, but if you're not scared, you're probably not doing it right. Um, because everything new and uncertain is always going to require a little bit of fear. So I like to anchor into that reminder from time to time and know like, this is normal. Like this is actually okay. This isn't something to get like freaked out about. And the more that you do that, the more that you put yourself in these situations, of course, every situation may be different and there could be new, I don't know, things and nuances, but I do feel, and I found in my personal experience, it does get easier because it's like training your brain that like you've done hard things, you could do them again. So anyway, I just went down a slight tangent and rabbit hole on fear. Uh, but that's, that's on my heart. I think, you know, especially considering I was so scared 
just 10 weeks ago to launch episode one. And here I am like sad that it's over. Um, but yeah, just wanted to share that with anyone listening. Uh, and I guess give people the encouragement in a way to take either the first step or again, like I mentioned, just rip the bandaid off if you need to, if you need to, because sometimes that could be it. Uh, but on this whole topic and on this whole subject of fear, this is a rabbit hole that my dear guest and I, Jessica, dive into today on the episode. And it's one that I'm really excited to share, of course, as every week, I'm very excited, but this is the closing uh, episode for the season, so it feels extra special. And my guest today is also extra special, Jessica Hendricks Yee. She's the founder of Zahava Jewelry and if I'll link all the details and website and Instagram in the show notes. So please do check it out because you will see, and I hope will be rather blown away by the beauty of Zahava Jewelry because it's not your typical standard jewelry company. It's inspired by so much depth and meaning, specifically her cultural Jewish roots and heritage. And we dive into all of that in today's episode. You know, culture is something that fascinates me so much, especially when it comes to heritage, me being an immigrant from Poland and growing up in America. And I'm sure, you know, this theme of belonging and labels and who we are and what we do, it's it's a topic that I love to unpack. And I, I feel like I've, I've dove into a lot in this first season. And, and we kick off with that in today's episode. So Jessica shares all about her experience uh, growing up and what ins- influenced and inspired her to really start her business centered around this idea of wisdom and heirlooms rooted in cultural context, specifically something that's really personal and near and dear to her from her Jewish roots. So there's beautiful talking points all around that topic. And then we just dive into her story, which is so magical, the the unfoldings of her business. I think what I really loved and appreciated, and we even mentioned it at the end of the episode, I felt like we, we dropped so many little reminders for both of ourselves and hopefully for anyone listening, whether you're a business owner or not around unexpected but really important things like just being grateful and savoring the slow beginnings because there's such a a purity and innocence that could be found when you're just starting off or dreaming into an idea. I think so often we're so quick to want to rush to the finish line or get to the next milestone. But then when we're there, we look back and like fond nostalgia for the slow, carefree, more like naive days that we had. There's so much beauty in that. And so when we talked about that, it really, again, I mentioned like, you know, the, the, the conversation, I walked away from the conversation at the time of our recording over the summer, um, feeling like, wow, I really needed to hear this. Cause I was in a place of like rushing and wanting to get to the next step. So it was just a beautiful reminder. And there were so many other moments like that in this conversation. And so I hope for anyone listening, they, they garner those little takeaways as well, because there's no shortage of them in this one friend. So Without further ado, I want to introduce you all to Jessica Hendricks Yee of Zahava. And lastly, I just want to say if this episode has resonated and if the season has resonated at all with you guys, I would truly appreciate having you leave a review and a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts. That's where you can write the review. Spotify lets you rate, but if you get on Apple Podcasts, you could write a little review, even if it's just one word, like, this is great. Well, that's three words, but (laughs) you get what I mean. 
would mean so, so much. Uh, again, for anyone who's been here from episode one, I appreciate you deeply. And yeah, enjoy this one and stay tuned for season two going to come in early 2024, potentially late January, maybe early February. I'll be sharing all the news and updates as it unfolds. Thank you guys so, so much. Enjoy this one. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. Um, Let us just start with a brief intro. We're going to dive into all things your story, all things Zahava, but just to kind of kick us off and set the scene a little bit, why don't you share with people who you are and just a little bit on Zahava. What is Zahava? What is this magical brand that you pour your heart into all the time? Thank you. Um, So I am Jessica Hendricky. Um, I started the Hava in 2019. Um, I think the inspiration really came around the time of my wedding. I'm Jewish. My husband's Chinese American. So our wedding was this feast of cultures and colors and foods. And I was starting to think so much about these rituals, um, the ritual of a wedding that feels so personal and so intimate, but also is so universal, so global, so, you know, not connected to time and space. And it was like such an interesting moment to be, to have something feel so, so specific to me and yet have it feel like part of, it made me feel like something that, you know, part of generations of, of, people have have sort of practiced as well. And um, I think that's kind of like the spirit behind Zahava is these pieces that feel like a second skin and almost like a tattoo and like they're part of you, but they also tap into something a lot bigger than you and connect you to this idea of the shared human spirit of, um, you know, alphabets from another time and place of different places in the world. Um, so, so yeah, I think it was also this like culture collision was really interesting thinking about for me, I'm like, so feel so connected to my culture and really want to keep it alive and keep it, you know, kind of sticky and bendy and flexible and not let it be something like antiquated. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also feel like a total global citizen. And I feel like my husband and I have brought two different backgrounds together and created kind of our own culture in our family. And so I think Zahava, my intention with Zahava was kind of to speak to that too. Um, you know, instead of just like the typical, um, you know, jewelry, which I love, but that's sometimes something that's very, you know, a cross or a Jewish star or something that's a little bit more um, on the nose, like to have something that sort of shares your values, but in a way that's a little bit more private, a little more clandestine and just for you. Yeah. Um so yeah, so that was kind of where it came to be. So Zahava is a line of fine jewelry, 10 karat jewelry that's made between Tel Aviv and Jaipur and now a little bit in downtown LA too, now that I'm in LA. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, it's really about celebrating identity, spirit, and um, you know, a connection to this big, beautiful world. Yeah, I love that so much. As I was dreaming into our conversation today, I was thinking, I was like, what rabbit holes <laughs> do I want to go down with you yes. and go into? Because I found that um, today, um, at least for like this first season of the show, there's been mm-hmm. a relative kind of structure and flow to some of the questions I'm asking and kind of the 
the, the avenues that I go down, but there's always, you know, with every person, there's that unique essence in that story. And I think with you, as I was sitting with it, knowing you and a little bit about Zahava and all of that, there's this theme in, as you were speaking to of identity, of culture, of heritage and belonging. Mm -hmm. So I want to dive in a little bit more in that with you and to whatever capacity you're comfortable sharing, just like letting us in on what has your journey been like with your identity, with your culture? Because for me, you know, me being an immigrant, being born in Poland, growing up in America, that's been something that I've always have on my heart and that I'm questioning. Um, I think growing up here in Connecticut, where I'm from, um, there's such a huge Polish community and I've always felt mm-hmm. like I belong. You know, it's like all my friends are Polish. The churches here are Polish, the delis. And it wasn't up until I went to college in Boston and I'll never forget this. It was, um, I was doing the women's overnight stay at my college and mm-hmm. my friend who was with me at the time, I like my mom called me and I had to take the call and I speak Polish with my parents. So she heard me speaking Polish and she's like, what is that? She's like, what are you speaking? I'm like, uh, it's Polish. Like, duh. Like you've never heard of it <laughs> because everyone's <laughs> in my hometown. Wow. Polish. And so that was the first moment where I really started to question like, oh, this is something different. And it was through that journey of me actually being out of context of a place that I felt where I belong, where I then kind of started questioning my sense of belonging. And that in a way allowed me to embrace my background that in a different way that I hadn't done before and just garner more yeah. cult, like appreciation for it. So I'm curious if there was ever like a come to moment like that for you. Um, or if you just want to speak generally on what your journey has been with leaning into your culture and embracing that and celebrating it now through Zahava. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. That's really interesting. Um, I feel like mine in a way was like kind of the opposite. Like I feel like, so my mom is Jewish and my dad is Christian, although we just found out recently through all these different crazy mediums that actually he's half Jewish, but we never knew. Mm. Um, But so I grew up in a town that was, um, sounds ridiculous, but kind of true, kind of, there was like some sort of like religious segregation. Like there was like a lot of community around the church and a lot of community around the synagogue. And then there were like, I grew up outside of New York and there were these like country clubs and they were like segregated by religion. It sounds crazy, but they were like, they were like the Jewish ones and the Christian ones. And so we didn't really belong to any of these institutions at all. And so I kind of felt like a lack of belonging just in general, I think, because I was like, well, okay, where, where do we fit? Um, and so I think that's sort of been like a search for me forever. And my parents are just not like, it's funny. I think my parents are not very spiritual and they're not very connected to their culture. I think sometimes this can like kind of skip a generation where like my grandparents both on both sides were much more connected to where they came from. And then I think something probably happened where my grandparents kind of tried to really like Americanize, you know, their kids and like give them this experience that was really like far from all the struggle and immigration and everything that they had gone through. That was just like, yay, we're in America. Everything's great. And so I think they were kind of raised with that and, and sort of like didn't think twice. But I think for me, I was like, but wait a second, like we come from like this like rich culture. There's so much history. We're connected to all these stories and it's so powerful. And it felt like very alive for me. So I think that's been sort of like a very personal journey for me that 
something that like when you talk about just like that feeling of home and like it's so obvious like that's something that I've kind of had to find for myself I think um and it's definitely been a journey it's still a journey I um I kind of went like from you know nothing to I went um I taught English in Thailand for a while I was really interested in Buddhism and I learned a lot of Buddhism and I just like fell in love with that culture so that was kind of like one step on the journey towards like sort of like a spiritual connection. And then I spent some time in Israel, um, which was amazing at the time. It was in college. It was with like a really religious Jewish group. And I mean, I was such a fish out of water and it was like such a crazy experience for me, but it was amazing. I loved the learning and I loved just like being surrounded by such a different like perspective. Um, and I think since then I've been kind of like just finding my way and creating my own way. And actually been thinking about it recently because we just moved into this house on Friday and it feels like this new chapter and a new step to kind of uh, a new chance to create like the rituals and the continuity that I want our family to 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 have and embody and I want our son to grow up with so I've been thinking about that whether that's about you know and some of it's kind of connects back to heritage and spirituality like Shabbat is something that I love so much and hosting Shabbat which is like a Friday night Jewish ritual mm. that I want to be able to do more consistently in the house um, and then some of it is like you know totally not connected to heritage like we have a little vegetable garden in the back and I really want to keep that up and keep that kind of like connection to nature and 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 to seasonality and and all of that um, so yeah I think it's a it's a lifelong yeah it's a lifelong journey <laughs> just gonna say um as you're speaking I'm like it sounds like it's it's a never-ending pursuit of mm-hmm. finding yourself in a way even though that may sound like <laughs> yes but it's, it's true it's true it's finding yourself and finding what feels most aligned and authentic to you and it's so beautiful that you were able to tap into that and I think for me the word that comes up too is curiosity I think just being yes. open to uncovering because I think the limitations that we have are self-imposed, I feel, most of the time. It's like, no, yeah. this is this is how I was brought up. This is how it has to be. There's a lot of that, like, traditionalism, if we want to call it that. Yes. I feel like that could be so limiting for so many people because there's such an yeah. abundant, rich world out there that if you open yeah. yourself up to it, which it sounds like you absolutely did when you talked about your Thailand experience and, you know, even that trip to Israel, it was like the path kept unfolding in front of you because you stayed open and curious. It's like the steps were then kind of provided for you. Yeah, totally. And I think it can be a push pull, you know, because I think like between like what you're talking about, the sort of like societal rules and, you know, cliques and whatever around some of these different like cultures or religions, I think can be really beautiful, but can also be kind of limiting or can kind of turn people off. So I think it's, yeah, it is a bit of a, a push pull of like where you kind of create like your internal connection and and you know if there's sort of community that you can also tap into. Yeah, totally, totally. So let's dive into Zahava um, and all things your special brand. Um, I want to know. I'm fascinated by origin stories, and so I know when we connected, you shared a lot of you know the, the origins, the beginnings of Zahava. But I want to dive a little deeper and just kind of unpack. What was that moment? Like, I want to be brought back to the moment before Zahava happened. Like, where were you? Like, what's <laughs> the scene? What were you doing? What was going on? Um, and I'm also curious, why jewelry? Because it's such a beautiful, creative medium. Were you always in love with jewelry? Did this kind of evolve on its own? Like, let's let's dive into this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so my mom opened up a jewelry store when I was 14. 
So I grew up really working at this store, you know, like I think it's always for young people so great to work in sales and just like have a job where you have to kind of be like customer facing because you learn so much. So that was really amazing. And I think I just grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. And like we would always talk about like my dad's favorite dinner table conversation was always like businesses that we could start. And like that was just sort of like normal conversation at our house. Mm. So I think I always had this like entrepreneurial spirit. And I actually didn't, I wasn't that interested in jewelry when my mom opened the store. I think I was a bit young for it. I was, I loved clothes and I loved design and I, you know, dreamed of, I was, studying acting at the time. So that was one path. But then I dreamed of being like a ready to wear designer or something in design. But as I got older, and I worked at the store more, I really started to see how nostalgic jewelry can be and how it's such a powerful medium for storytelling. And the connection that a wearer has with the piece that they wear and the the maker of the piece. I think, you know, it's different than clothing that you put on and then you take off. It's something that, you know, becomes part of you. Um, and it's, it's precious and it symbolizes so much, you know, think about somebody wearing their grandmother's chain or a ring that symbolizes their connection to their spouse or, you know, it's powerful stuff. And so I think that's really what made me fall in love with it. Um, so I, when I taught English in Thailand, I spent some time in Cambodia and I started a line called the Brave Collection. That is a line of jewelry, all handmade in Cambodia and was really about combating human trafficking. Um, and working with fair trade artisans in Cambodia. And so that was kind of my way of like, it was almost like my grad school, like, you know, just like learning by doing. Yeah. yeah and learning about, um, about starting a business, about the jewelry business. Um, but that line, everything is under about $150. And it's really about, um, you know, making an impact and about something that's really accessible to everyone, which is great. And I'm very proud of that. And, you know, it's been an amazing experience. But I think after a couple of years of that, a few things happened. Like one is, I think my experience in Cambodia was so powerful, but it, it's not the Cambodian story is not my story. I think it felt I had a visceral connection. And I am I'm so glad that I was able to use my platform like in the States to tell that story. But it's ultimately not my story. And I became more and more fascinated with like, well, what is my story and how can I share a little bit of, mm-hmm. um, you know, pieces that go back, that speak back to my heritage, that speak back more personally to me. Um, and I really became fascinated as well with the idea of heirlooms and pieces that can be, you know, kept forever and passed down from one generation to another. And those are pieces that are made with gold and made with diamonds and, and made to be forever. So so that's, yeah, that's kind of the the spirit I had. Um, there was this one really big partnership we did at the Brave Collection that was really lucrative. And I decided to kind of take those profits and use it to start Zahaba. Um, I got, there was this, these friends of mine who have like a branding agency had this really, really cute little studio in the meatpacking district above Rag and Bone. It was like, this really cute brick, like beautiful little studio is like above this, also this like really great coffee shop that made these lattes that they put cinnamon and honey in them. And they were so good. And I'm I'm mentally there. (laughs) Yeah. Like that was like the start of the day. It was just like a really great vibe. And I just, I, so anyway, I, I asked them if I could kind of like 
you know, set up a desk in their, in their studio, basically like sublet, like a little corner. And they said, yes. And, um, I just like think back to like the mood board that was up, you know, I created this like bulletin board and it just was such, it was honestly like my favorite time because it was before everything started and I love running the business and I love interacting with customers and I love that it's real, but there was something really magical about just like the dreaming of it. And I think I felt so, it was so pure. It was like, I was so connected to the vision and the meaning. And I think I often try to go back to that time in my head because I think sometimes when it becomes real and you sort of get distracted by like, well, this is really what this customer wants, or this is really what is selling and this is where we're making money. Like, I think it, it can kind of confuse the like purity of the essence of it sometimes. And of course it's a push pull, right? Because like the essence might be like a beautiful idea, but it might not necessarily be like a sustainable business. So it's always, you know, a compromise, but there was just, it was such an expansive dreamy time. Um, everything was possible and it was so exciting, like getting those first samples back. I decided it was really important to me to work with metalsmiths in Tel Aviv. It felt like connected to my background and where I come from. And it also, there's so many amazing metalsmiths in Tel Aviv and I really wanted to show their work. Um, and I just remember like getting those first samples and just like that excitement of having something just completely in your head and then you can like hold it in your hand. It's such a powerful experience. Yeah. So that was the start. It was like a hot New York City summer. Um, and that's where it all began. And then we launched in July at um, this really cool store called What Goes Around Comes Around in Soho. That's like a vintage store. We did um, like a big launch party there. And it was so vulnerable. Like it was, so, I mean, the actual party itself was great, but I remember like the two weeks before I was like ill. I was so, <laughs> so nervous. I felt like it was like taking my organs out of my body. You know, it was oh just gosh. so vulnerable. Um, what were the fears? What were the fears that you were experiencing in that moment? I mean, I think part of it was like, you know, from a business standpoint, like I think I had invested so much time and money at this point in just the time that I had given myself to just, plan this was like months and months. And then I think also just, you know, creating a gold jewelry line is not cheap. And I've never had financing. I've always just kind of bootstrapped and done it myself. So, you know, that's a serious, like it, it made me ill to be like, wow, like this is my money and it's not an endless supply. And like, look what I've just put into this. So I think that was really scary. I definitely had a little bit of like a, what have I done moment. Yeah. Um, and then I think part of it is more sort of emotional where you feel like you create something that you are so proud of it's very vulnerable i mean you know i think every creative knows right like when you are really put your heart and soul into something and you're really proud of it there's a lot of yourself in it and there's a lot of vulnerability in that i feel i felt really exposed i felt because you feel a little bit like well and you're not really doing it for other people in a way like you're kind of just i mean you are but you're not but there is this sense of it's not like you're waiting for approval, but I guess there's this fear that like, well, what if I think this is so special and good, but what if everyone's like, yeah, you know, and it's yeah. just, I, I don't know. So like, it, the feeling. <laughs> it, was just, ugh, it like gives me anxiety remembering it. It's just scary. Um, and I think, you know, once you're kind of like, it's, it's just less scary now because I just, I have like proof of concepts. I know, you know, maybe we'll put out one design or one, marketing idea or whatever that won't land okay but you know the concept we've had customers you know buy the pieces and love the pieces and we know that it's resonating but then 
there was nothing. There was right. like my mom and my sister who were like, yeah. we love it, you know? So I think that was a really, really scary time. Um, but it's great to remember that because yeah. like that's the start of something amazing, you know? That means you really care and you've really gone out and done something different if you're going to be like that afraid <laughs> to put yes. it in the world. Wow. Everything you shared resonates so much. And I feel all of that because I've had different points in my business as well, where whether it's sharing the piece of art or even just like a blog post, or I launched like my little tote bag recently, this little project that I did. It's like, oh my gosh, like, how is this going to be received? Yes. Um, I'm curious for you in that moment, like bef- like the night before the launch party, <laughs> like what, what, or the morning of, it's like, what was, if, if possible, if you could distill the thing that like one thing, the essence, the feeling, what was it that like allowed you to get through that? Was it a deep, just like self and trust? Was it a connection to your purpose? Was it a knowing that this is just such an intentional product? Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, maybe you can't kind of pinpoint it, but I'm, I'm curious. No, that's such a nice question. Yeah. I think it's both, I think it's both feeling like a knowing, like you said, like this feels really authentic to me. So if it doesn't land or if you know, like, I just, I guess they're knowing that it would land with people because I think whenever you put something out there in the world from an authentic place, it lands yeah. and it might land with, it might not land with some, like it might land with someone who's never had that shared experience, but it, there's a human connection when somebody is vulnerable and authentic. So I think that is real. And I also think just feeling like it kind of doesn't matter what happens next in some ways, because I feel like I'm just like living my truth so much, like I'm really doing something that I have to do and put in the world. So like, that's enough. And then I think the other thing that came to mind when you asked that is I just pictured like all the women that came out to support. I feel like in New York, I had cultivated this like really great community of women. And I think there was such a spirit. I mean, there definitely is now too. But I feel like especially then a couple years ago, like this idea of like the girl boss, like female entrepreneurship, like there was so much support for that, that I really felt like held in that. I felt like people were just like, we don't even know or care what you're doing, but like we'll come out because like women creating businesses is important. Mm -hmm. And I think I really benefited from that movement. Like I think that gave me a lot of support and confidence, you know? Good point. Such a, such a good point. And it's left me reflecting now as you're speaking on the all women kind of entrepreneurship groups that I've joined that have supported me, um, especially kind of being here for the last few years, I've been here home in Connecticut and, you know, yeah. my connections, my direct connections here, my, my friends and family, you know, no one's running their business. When I, when people ask me what I do, I like, don't know what to say. Cause people don't understand. <laughs> you know, they're like, I'm a designer. They're like, so what do you do? I'm like, I, you know, do strategy and branding and all this stuff. I'm like, Oh, okay. And they're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like having that supportive community of like-minded people who are either in it or can understand it to some capacity to uplift you. I think at that moment too, I imagine, you know, having your mom and sister, like you said, being your kind of cheerleaders, I imagine that just those supportive women, whether they were customers or not, but just being there was that like push and that thing that you needed just to kind of get you to at least show up on the day and be like, okay, I'm doing this. <laughs> yes. through. How did yes. you feel? How did you feel when the event was over? Like what, what was going through your body? <laughs> I mean, it was still a little bit scary for sure, you know, and kind of like now what, and, but it just, and like, you don't know if people are just being supportive and nice or if they're really resonating or what. Um, 
But I think it just was so exciting. I think like when you create something, when somebody buys it, like even if they buy the smallest, most inexpensive piece, it's just like such an honor. And it's, you just can't believe that somebody is gonna like put their money towards that or is gonna wear that and make that part of their, you know, their life. And so I think that just felt like really humbling, you know, like seeing pieces sell and seeing people connect with different pieces was just like, so thrilling. I think jewelry really takes on a new life when it's worn by a customer. So I've created all these pieces in a vacuum and I have this intention behind them and this idea about what they are. And then somebody puts it on in a way I never would expect. And it means something to them that's totally different than what it means to me. And it like starts this new life with them. Yeah. And that was really, really, really cool. Um, I think there's like a little bit of like a sadness in a weird way to like it actually like going out in the world and becoming a business because there was like this little sweet purity of it just being this like idea. Mm. So it was a bit like, oh boy, here we go. Like now it's all been like let out of the cage. But also of course, just like the excitement. Um, And yeah, and I think, you know, somebody said something to me that really stuck with me once, which is there's two types of people in the world. There's people who do things and there's people who talk about doing things. And it just really stuck with me that like, you don't have to do everything perfectly, but you have to just be a doer. Like you have to just do it. Um, because I can be really, I can get really bogged down in like, well, I don't know if it's not right. And, and I can go on for years. Yeah. I'm doing it now about this. Like I have this idea of um, creating like a, an 18 karat capsule for Zahaba, like a higher end um, option. And I'm just like, well, I should, but I'm not ready, but I'm not, and like, I could just, you know, hem and haw forever. And I think at some point you have to just do it, you know, and it might not be perfect in the beginning, but, um, but you know, you'll, you'll kind of get there and just, there's something to be said about just putting something out there in the universe. My mom's calling me, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, so I think that was like a feeling of accomplishment too, of like, maybe everything wasn't perfect, but we did the thing, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I think that that always feels really good. And I feel that now too. Like if I fly out to do a Trump show somewhere and it's kind of a bust, you know, it's, it's never a feeling of like, well, that was a waste of time. Like it just, it's not, it, cause it never is. You think always like opportunities always come yeah. from these, you know, from every time you put yourself out there, you get something out of it. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like every step of the way, it feels like it's progress. And I think you have to have that mentality to have a small business because it's tedious and it can be, you know, like it can be so much work for so little reward sometimes. So you have to really see like the deeper reward, I think, and feel like you're working towards a bigger goal and every little baby step is moving you in the right direction because otherwise I don't think you'll survive. It's not, you know, it's not always going to be, you know, like incredible ROI. It's just not, (laughs) especially in the early days, you know, It's got to be a labor of love. It's got to be like all part of the bigger picture. Um, So I think there's like a lot of patience, which can be hard, um, you know, before the momentum kind of kicks in. Yeah, absolutely. Patience and resiliency is something that I have been really like personally for me with, with the business this year. And we talked a little bit before pressing record on like the transition and all that. Trusting that it's all going to unfold, holding true to the vision, and just like you said, putting, continuing to put things out there because I'm I'm so with you on the page of you put something out, you give, and then you receive. It's that equal transactional yeah. exchange and trusting that process that it's going to unfold. Um, I love so much 
what you said about the purity of those early phases, those early days, because, and this is, you know, personally really fitting for me, I think it's just like a selfish little reminder that I'm going to take for myself <laughs> in that, you know, dreaming into all these, you know, expansive ideas. There's this part of me. And I imagine for a lot of people that they just want to get to that place. Like they just want the business to take off. They just want to get the finances and the money coming and the whatever, mm -hmm. fame, recognition, all that. Mm -hmm. And I've heard this a lot too from, you know, other interviews with like business owners and in my podcast and all this, where it's like, they always come back to those like early moments, like those early mm -hmm. days of that innocence and hearing you share your experience mm -hmm. and especially so viscerally describing that like the senses, because I'm such a sensorial person of like you in this beautiful studio with the smell of the coffee and all that like there is like you said I love that word purity there's an innocence yeah. to it yeah. um, and I think I personally for myself am taking that as permission a deeper permission to embrace this in between because that's kind of where I feel like I'm yeah. at it's like it's the in between but I will say too it's it's the dreaming phase and so finding more enjoyment and satisfaction and gratitude for the dreaming because I imagine yeah in a year or two or whatever I'll be wishing <laughs> for these phases again. Like you're going to miss yeah. it. So no, you're so, eloquent. Yeah. you're so right. Well, thank you for reiterating that, that back. That really lands with me too. Yeah. I think once you, once it does get off the ground, I think sometimes it's hard to like appreciate that it's off the ground because you're just now focused on the next thing and the next step and you're frustrated that it's not doing the next thing. Right. And it's hard to sometimes even appreciate where you've gotten. So yeah, I think that like early phase. And I think also like, there's something about like once the train is already on the track and it's moving, it can be hard to like, you know, see those things. It's kind of like when you go on vacation and you come back to your house and you're like, that like box is there. Like we, yeah. we put that there. Like this looks terrible. Or like, yeah, like, or, but like you can see it and you can make updates. Like we just moved obviously to this is top of mind where it's like, we have all these ideas and we're so excited. But I also know that if we don't make these like home improvements now, we're going to stop seeing them and we're going to stop like having energy for them. We're just going to be like, it's fine. So, and I think it's kind of the same way where it's like in the beginning, you want every little detail to be perfect. And then once you're going, you're also just trying to like get through the day. And so I think sometimes, you know, you can get a little bit lazy, I think, with certain things. Oh, yeah. Certain details or visuals or things, you know, it's like, oh, it's fine. Well, let's just use that. Or, let you know, or let's just use the less expensive tissue paper. Let's try to save a little money, you know? Yes. And there's something, you know, in those early moments where you just want everything to be like this work of art, you know? And, um, and I think that that's, like, I strive to, to always work from that place. But it's, it's hard. Like, you know, it gets lost in the shuffle a little bit. Totally. Totally. Did you ever see yourself doing this? Like along your growth journey, like being in the position you are now being a business owner, being a successful business owner, leading this beautiful company, like, was this ever a vision for you on your heart? Or did you lean into it as you were on the process, you know, in your experience being in Cambodia and starting that, like, did that, is that when it kind of started to feel alive for you? are like, oh, wait, I'm going to start this business. And, or like, did, did you never have that moment until maybe you were in that studio finally doing the thing? I definitely have the vision. I used to go with my mom. She used to go to the trade shows for um, like the jewelry trade shows. And it would be like at these big like the javits center or these these really big like um i don't even know what you call them like exhibition like yeah like they're like those yeah they're like seven like city blocks you know like they're huge 
and it would just be filled with all these little stalls of all these jewelry designers and she would go to do her buying for the store and I would come with her and it was like a candy store for me I loved it so much I still love it and now I've exhibited I've been there as a buyer I've been there as a but I it's so thrilling to me because it's just like everyone's putting forth their their work and you get to meet the makers and it's just so cool and so I remember I think the first time I went I was like 14 and I was like oh one day I'm gonna do this so it wasn't it wasn't really plan a like because yeah. I was a theater major and I I was auditioning and like acting was really my what I wanted to do but then I think that world became just less interesting to me. Like, I think as a student, acting is so beautiful, but as a business, it's really hard. And I think that I kind of got turned off by like the reality of what the business would be. And I remember feeling like, wow, I could read a script. I could spend two hours, like really thoughtfully reading the script and then spend another four hours preparing my sides and go into audition and, just like be rejected right off the bat because like my hair is too brown or it's not brown enough, wow. whatever, some stupid thing. And I remember feeling like at least like starting a business, it may be difficult, but at least like every bit of effort I put in will move me forward. And I think there was something, and this isn't like fact, it's just the way that it felt to me, like about the acting world, it felt like I could put in so much effort and it just wouldn't necessarily take me forward. And so I think that like that vision of like the, the jewelry designers at the Expo Center, like that, you know never went away that was always there and I think that became just like louder and louder as I got the seed was planted (laughs) yeah it was yeah I love that so much and I'm always so curious um for entrepreneurs business owners especially for myself navigating this um you know just just kind of unpacking and understanding like did you ever see yourself doing this is this something that was on your heart did it come organically Mm -hmm. because I feel like everyone has such a unique journey and story and sometimes it comes so unexpectedly but then there's other moments where like that was always on your heart. And I think for me, I, I remember being in like high school and thinking like, I'd love to start a business one day. Like, I think the desire was always there. No freaking idea what it would be. I knew I was always like crafty and into art stuff, but like, I didn't even know what graphic design was. And it's like, as <laughs> I continued on the journey through life, things unfolded and naturally I kind of fell into being here. But there's also the thought and the question I always have in the back of my mind of like, what's going to happen in five years or 10 years, or maybe this is going to completely change. Um, I'm curious for you, has there been anything that's really surprised you about your journey specifically? Like once you started Zahava in uh, what is it? The five years maybe now? Yeah. Five years since you've had the business. Has there been anything that surprised you? Um, yes. Um, I mean, I think what's, surprising is that it's business <laughs> like I think <laughs> yes maybe shouldn't have been so surprising but I think that that can be really hard is when you come at something because you have a story to tell and you are creative and you're an empath and you want to create pieces that resonate with people that's a very different skill set than bookkeeping and sales and invoicing and marketing. And, you know, so I think it, it really requires you to be a jack of all trades, which I really love. Um, and I feel like it's important to kind of like develop those other muscles. And there are other parts of the, like, there are a lot of parts of the business that I really love. There's parts that I hate, like bookkeeping. I really, really hate like yeah. talk, paying talks. I'd rather have like dental surgery than like, deal with that. Um, but 
but, right? I have to outsource that. <laughs> um, me too. It was like the first thing. I was like, yes. that's the first thing I want to Um So, but yeah, I think that that can kind of be sometimes a surprise because, and I think it goes back to your the word you used, the resilience, where sometimes you feel like two months have gone by and you haven't done the thing that you're like, the reason you're doing this is mm-hmm. yeah. for that like creative empathic like storytelling experience and sometimes in two months you're like wow I've barely done that because I've been doing X, Y, Z. so you kind of have to keep earning the time to do that because you know you've got to keep the ship moving and you've got to keep the dollars coming in and you've got you know so I think it's a bit of a juggling act and I think that can be exhausting and, and difficult like I think there's definitely moments where like when things are hard I like get distracted and frustrated and I'm like I just want to go do some job where I just have to do this one job because it's hard to have to be like doing everything on all the time it's not all sexy yeah and it's not all like intuitive for me um so I think that's always surprising (laughs) even though at this point I should probably know um and then I think you know like it's still surprising to me like how much the little things mean like even after all these years and all these experiences, like just going and doing a pop-up and having one customer like be really moved by something that we create and I just feel like it creates this shared human connection. Like it's it's magic. It's so cool. Yeah. And that just is like a surprise every time. Like it really like I really don't take it for granted. Like even just like a DM from like a customer being like, Wow, I love your stuff. Like it just every time it just feels like it's a way like I feel like I put a piece of myself out in the world and when somebody feels something from it it's it's thrilling Mm -hmm. it's exciting every single time I love that yeah and I think back to what you were saying earlier it's like that reaffirm that that affirmation (laughs) yeah yeah fuel on the fire burning um for sure because I think in the latter circumstance like you know no one receives your pieces. There are no, none of those compliments. Then you're, you're left maybe getting too much in the mind of like, why am I doing this? Like, does this matter? Is anyone doing this? And and so like, yeah, it's, it's so, it's so powerful to, to get that and to, again, be reaffirmed that like, okay, this is it. But I think with that, or at least the way I've learned or kind of leaned into seeing it is it's like a 50, 50 split where yes, there's the side of your community because I think that's so powerful to get the affirmation mm-hmm. to get the support right. back because it's again really helpful and encouraging to know that you're making impact but then there is the other side that's like you're doing this for yourself too and I imagine mm-hmm. like you derive so much fulfillment and passion and just mm-hmm. joy from mm-hmm. you know maybe the more technical business things aside <laughs> but like mm-hmm. the actual <laughs> you know creative process like we were chatting about beforehand it's like being in the season of creating and yeah. Um, I, I can, I can tell like beauty is such a top value for you. So like the, just the freedom mm-hmm. and ability to create some like beautiful pieces like that. I imagine that that in itself is on its own, so fulfilling, devoid of people's feedback and opinion. But I think when both come together, that's like the ultimate magic of like ultimate motivation. Cause one helps and yes. it helps on its own, but when both come together, it's like, yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah. We just kind of want to be seen in the world and we all yes. want to put forth what we the way that we see the world and we want to make the world better and we all do it in strange ways but like even though this is sort of like a funny way of doing it through jewelry but it 
it's kind of my way. So like, it's actually, there's something really like powerful and spiritual and emotional about that because it, it's my way, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of different people feel that, right? Like if you're a doctor, like, you know, it doesn't have to be a creative, but it's like the, the ways that we make an impact in the world, the way that we connect with another human and try to create like joy or beauty. It's, it's, it's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That, and also knowing, like, I think in those moments where as creatives, we're questioning who would need this, who would want this. I think of like, okay, we're here with our unique inherent gifts, but then there are also people with their unique inherent interests and there's a match. (laughs) Like we find each other somehow. And I was actually having, I had a beautiful conversation with, with a incredible woman I connected with when I was traveling to, to Florida earlier this year. Um, she's a coach and she was sharing with me, I was sharing some ideas with her for like what I have for the business going on. And I'm dreaming into this little branding program that I want to start offering. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who do I cater this to? Cause I want to like offer it to everyone. And I want to just help mm-hmm. everyone. And she's like, you, you're not for everyone. And the more that you lean into that, the more that the people that you are for, like, it's going to be more powerful. I, she said it much more eloquently than I'm. (laughs) But I was like, Oh, you're so right. Instead of trying to serve everyone, like really honing in, this is where like target audience target demographic is so powerful because those people that you are for, like, those are your people. And those are the people that are literally seeking someone like you. So I think in those moments, I know for myself when I'm doubting, like who cares about this or this doesn't matter. I have to remind myself, like, there's someone wanting exactly what I have. <laughs> so, like, even if it's, it's one person, it's, like you said. You're so right. It's so, and I need to hear that again, too, because it can't, you can't, so it's really easy for me to get distracted into feeling like you just want to make something that works for everyone and, yeah. you know, cater to all different types of people. And, um, and that's a really powerful idea. And also, I like what you said about, like, there's people with different interests who are looking because I you're right. Like there is so much joy in being the other end as a consumer. Like I was telling you before offline that um, we just went to Morocco and there's this ceramics brand that I discovered a couple of years ago and I've been following it for years and I'm obsessed with it. And I got to go into their showroom in, in Morocco so cool. and buy a couple pieces. And it was that same thrilling feeling of like whatever this artist who I've never met, like put into these pieces I get it. I feel it. It resonates with me. It makes me feel something. And I'm so thrilled as a consumer to, to discover it and enjoy it. So it's true. There, there, that exchange is, I don't really think, I don't usually think about it on that. You've kind of reframed that for me, but I love that thought of just like the joy of also like being the one to discover the product and, you know, have it kind of like fill that, that void or embody like an idea that, that you feel is really powerful too. Yeah, totally. Um, I want to ask you about your Mallorca experience because that was such a beautiful, I imagine just fun, adventurous time in your life. And so I'm curious about that, but specifically how that impacted your business. Were there any takeaways Mm. from that experience? Because we were, you know, I think in what you've shared, travel has been such an inherent part of helping to expand you and align you on your path. So you lived in Mallorca for two years, was it? Almost three. Almost three years. Yeah. And this was in the yeah. midst of you having started Zahava in LA, correct? In New York. Yeah. So I started Zahava in New York. Um, I started Zahava in July of 2019. And then my son was born the following August. And then when he was six months old, we left New York. We moved to Madrid, which was supposed to be like a one-year trip to Madrid. 
the pandemic hit um, and we were stuck in this little city and we left and we moved to Mallorca. Um, and just being, you know, on an island, the first house we moved around a lot, but the first house we had had like chickens in the backyard that would lay eggs every morning and there was jasmine everywhere. And we would get, you know, rosemary and mint from the garden every day. It was just, and we felt like we had landed in Eden. It was so beautiful. Um, it was really interesting. It was challenging from a business perspective being so far away from my consumer, like not only not doing pop-ups, but not even sort of like being around the shops, the types of shops that would carry our stuff or the types of customers that would buy our stuff. Like I certainly made a community in Mallorca and sold some of our pieces within the community, but it's not exactly like our target demo, you know? And so I think it was hard being disconnected from that. But it was also kind of great because I was really in my own space. Like, I think it can also be hard. The opposite is hard, which is like now being in LA where like there's brands everywhere, there's jewelry stores everywhere, there's people wearing stuff everywhere. And it's easier, I think, sometimes to like have your ideas be diluted into just like what's trending and what's happening because it's just like it's inevitable and you're seeing it everywhere. Yeah. So it was kind of cool to be like in a vacuum and just be in this, you know, space. Um, I mean, I think I'm still unpacking it, to be honest. I mean, we've been back almost a year in the States. I think we're still trying to figure out like what this experience really meant because it was so powerful. But um, I think one thing that was interesting that I didn't expect was realizing like how American I am (laughs) because Mm -hmm. I think I was excited. Like I've always been a New Yorker, now LA, but sort of, you know, two sides of the same coin. And I always felt like I love New York, but I also was like really ready to get out of it. And I felt like there was like a certain toxicity to the pace and just like the pressure that I felt was like just a lot. And it was really great the first few months to be gone from that and just to slow down and to be in a different pace. But after a year, two years, almost three years, I'm like, you can take the American out of America. But like, I realized how American I am like I grew up being so my parents lived in France I was born in France and having this kind of like oh Europe is so much better and and it is in so many ways but I I really developed like I I think the fact that in the states we're so entrepreneurial and we're so scrappy and we we just you know we create something out of nothing all the time that's not really the vibe in Europe and Europe has so many other qualities and I won't speak so broadly, but at least in my experience in Mallorca, you know, it's um it's like such an amazing culture and such an amazing place. But it's harder um to just, you know, be entrepreneurial, I think. I think there's like less community around that. And I really missed the hustle and the pace of the States, which was crazy and was not what I expected. But I think there's so much support and so much community and so much inspiration that it's for me, it's hard to manage it sometimes because it can be so exciting that I can get like wrapped up in it and I can just exhaust myself, which is what happened when I moved back. But I think it's also really motivating. And I think it was actually hard for me sometimes to kind of be in that vacuum in Mallorca and just be disconnected Mm -hmm. from everything. Like it was such a blessing, but it was also like a bit difficult. Like I felt a little bit, I didn't feel anchored. I felt a little bit disconnected. Um, so that was, that's powerful because I think being able to like opt back into this life and feel like it's a choice and not feel like, oh, I'm just like a victim of like my circumstance and like totally. I roll like America is like, 
the worst. Like, <laughs> I think it's, totally. it's, it's empowering to feel like, yeah, you know, it can be, you know, like there's tons of drawbacks to the, you know, these American cities for sure. And I have my critiques and things, you know, but I also feel like I found an appreciation for it that I didn't expect. Um, and, you know, Mallorca, of course, is, is magic and I'll, you know, will always like feel like a part of us, yeah. but it was cool to be able to like see our life from a distance and, and feel like appreciate it. I think. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I, I, like I'm thinking the power of context, like what an influence that has, because, you know, while, and I think about this for myself too, because we were just chatting earlier as well, before we pressed record on like, I could take my business anywhere. I could work from anywhere, but there mm-hmm. is something to be said about the energy, if we want to call it that, of the place yeah. that you're in. Yeah. Is it conducive to what you're trying to do? Um, yeah. Because I also, it's funny when you were saying you're like very American, I'm like, oh man, this is like my type A go-getter girl boss man mindset. Like, actually, right. I'm like, oh, and I, there's a piece of me that's always wanted to live in New York because I'm like, oh, what an opportunity and all that. Mm-hmm. But I wonder too, if being in a context of something slower, like Europe would serve me, or I don't want to say hinder me, but like, give me that similar feeling of like, this is great, but like, maybe I need to be in like a more stimulating, I don't know if that's the right word, but I feel like LA, it's interesting because I totally see the hustle, hustle, New York, then the European easy, slow. And I feel like LA might be the perfect amalgamation of that. That's what we're hoping. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're hoping. You know, the West coast is more easygoing and I'm like, wow, I think you've settled for now, at least in this season of your life. I'm like that perfect thing. I think so. I think so. I mean, I think that's what it is. I think that like being able to learn so much from like having my twenties have been in New York and just learning so much about like, you know, from that networking and that pace and that hustle and like whatever, it was so amazing. And I, and I carry that with me and then being able to be in Spain and have that pace and that just like appreciation of life and, you know, time for the family. And I, that's, you know, I started turning my phone off every Saturday for Shabbat living in Spain and I've kept that up. And, you know, I learned so much. I mean, my husband and I talk about it all the time. Just, we really learned so much about living, working, working to live, you know, because that's the Spanish really have taught us that. And I think that was so incredible. So I think, I think that is the goal ultimately, right. Is like, you kind of like lean into all these things you're drawn to, um, of like, living on an island or living in a big city but but then you know kind of finding the happy medium and incorporating all of that and I think there's moments where I have to like channel one or another where I'm just feeling kind of like sedentary and I have to like channel that New York energy or I'm feeling really crazed and I have to remember you know life in in Mallorca and take it down a notch Uh, I think that's what's crazy too is that like you get into your bubbles you know like and in LA we definitely we moved here in August and we've definitely been in sort of like a work bubble um and it's been just like really chaotic um in a great way but just like growing the business and I don't know I think feel like my husband and I both just kind of fell into this like gotta work gotta do this like it's just very like American energy and we were just in Spain and everything just sort of stopped and it was so peaceful and it was so beautiful. And it just, I think, you know, you used the word permission earlier, which I think is really powerful, like giving yourself that permission and realizing, okay, well, we just picked up and we went to Spain for almost three weeks and the world didn't end and it was okay. And yes, like maybe, you know, it'll like negatively impact sales a little bit and that's okay. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think remembering, but sometimes for me, I have to get out of my physical place to remember that because it can be really hard for me when I get into my groove in, in LA or honestly, even when I was living in Mallorca, with crazy as it sounds, yeah. it was the same thing sometimes where you're planning like, okay, this Friday, I'm going to take the day off and I'm going to do this way, this, this, this. And suddenly it's Friday at three o'clock and you still haven't found that time for whatever you wanted to do. And you're like, oh, I just have to get these few more emails out, you know? So I think sometimes for me, I have to like, I'm like a baby. It's like physically remove them from the situation, yeah. you know, because like, I can't, <laughs> like, I don't know, <laughs> have the discipline. Like the to-do list is never going to be done. Like there's yeah. always stuff, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's like, it's keeping that alive. Like obviously travel is such a luxury, but I think it's so important. And I think it can be all different things too. Like it could be camping for the weekend. It doesn't have to be going to another country, but getting out of your day to day and your routine. It's yeah, it's it's important. Oh, I love that so much. And I'm taking everything you shared for myself. I'm like the reminder to just me too. I'm like, take your own advice. more of that spontaneity it's all gonna be okay (laughs) yeah 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 okay so I want to ask I have a few little closing questions that I've I've dreamed into that I want to ask so the first is um any piece of advice for someone who either wants to start a business or just has like a burning desire on their hearts but maybe there's this overwhelming fear or something or a comparison of like, Oh, I can never do this. Cause X, Y, Z, whatever. Any, any words of wisdom that you could offer to that person who's dreaming into something, but is like debilitated by fear. <laughs> it's so, I mean, this is what came to mind. I don't know if you ever listened to the Glennon Doyle podcast, yes, but I love her too. And I just think like, she's done such an amazing job at talking about all of her stuff. Like, coming out of the closet and being gay and talking about having an eating disorder and talking about having anxiety and depression, like all of these things that we're not supposed to talk about or things that you could sort of like, you, you see people struggle with keeping a secret their whole lives. And she's just been so um, transparent about them and put them all out into the world. And I think for me, that's been really powerful to watch because I think it kind of like made me realize oh, that's, that's okay. Like we don't have to do everything perfectly. We don't have to hide our fears or our insecurities. Like it's okay Mm. to be open about that. I think that's really important. Like it's okay to, to be terrified and, and start anyway and say, I'm terrified. Like it's okay. And and it's, yeah. And it's kind of like perfect is the enemy of good also. Like, I think that that's, the biggest thing is when you start something, it's not going to be perfect, but you're going to learn like whatever you're going to put out there, even if, you know, in retrospect, you're like, that was a five. Okay, fine. It was a five. And then you got feedback and then became a six and then became a seven. And now you're really proud of it. So I think it's just, and again, I have to take my own advice because it's, I think we all get in our own head so much, but I think it's just about like one foot in front of the next and just, um, you know, just like not being afraid to fall flat on your face and put something out there. Um, I think also it's about like having people around you that you really trust that you can kind of like have an inner circle of people that you can share something with and get feedback before you maybe put it out into the open into like in a really public way. Um, Like I feel like there's people that, you know, whether they're just personal or professional contacts that you, that, you know, you really develop a trust for where you can say, this is something I'm workshopping. Like, does what, you know, how does this feel? And I think that can kind of give that little bit of confidence sometimes, um, or maybe not, like maybe it's the feedback is like, wow, it's really not ready. I actually don't understand this. And maybe that's helpful. And then like, there is, you know, that space to like 
to fix it in a private way before you kind of like put it out in, into the world and it feels like it starts snowballing. Yeah. Um, but I think also like starting small, like, you know, I've like never had financing and I've just had to grow a lot more slowly. And I think that's okay. Like I started the Brave Collection when I was right out of school. I had absolutely no money and I created pieces that were not very expensive to make. And so I think that's also, again, like you don't have to have the perfect office and the perfect financing and the perfect team. And like, you can just make something and sell it on Etsy and start there. Like it doesn't all have to be so squeaky clean. Yeah. You know, start. just starting, just start. Yeah. Exactly. And I love, I love Glennon Doyle. And I always go back to her little expression that she says, you can do hard things. <laughs> like, yes. Like you it's literally true. You can do it. You, you can. can. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, this question, uh, it's simple, but <laughs> it's been interesting because it could be really deep, but what does purpose mean to you? And do you feel like you're currently living in alignment with your purpose? So deep. Um, <laughs> yes, it's a little bit of like a ooh, plot twist. <laughs> it, is. it is. Um, I think that, I think that Yes, I feel like purpose is, you know, I think there's there's sort of like values that we all hold dear and things that really light us up. And I think purpose is just creating space for those things. And I think sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, or sometimes I do for one and not the other. Mm. I think having a business often means creating a lot of space for that feeling of purpose that's connected to entrepreneurship and creating less space for things that are also part of my purpose, like meditation or rest or being social or, you know, other things. So I think that's difficult. Um, I feel like in general, yes, I feel connected to my purpose. And I think there was a really beautiful moment. I remember when we were living in Mallorca and I remember saying to my husband, like, if we made $700 million and we could do anything, I feel like I would just be doing this. And that was such a great feeling, you know? And I feel like to be able to like live that way obviously not in every way, but in general feeling like, wow, what would I do if X, Y, if I, you know, whatever it is, um, and trying to tap into like a bit of that life, because I think, I don't know. Yeah. Money work all like, it's all kind of a distraction a little bit. Like we can, we can be tapping into a lot of these things regardless of all these impediments. Um, and and then in some ways, I, I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. Like, I definitely feel like there's a future version of myself and I can like see her, but I don't feel like I'm her yet. Yeah. You know, I feel like somebody who feel who's more in touch and, and more courageous about like who I am and who I want to be and what I care about and what I stand for. And I think making time for some of my like spiritual life and personal life is something that I really strive for. And I feel like I, I don't, I push it aside a lot. Um, I think there's like a addiction a little bit to just like work, which is sort of not my fault because when you have a small company, you just, there's a lot to do. Yeah. And I think it partially is something that I need to hone over time so that I'm not like, yeah, letting parts of my purpose be kind of like drifting off into the wind. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm, I think I'm like, you know, I'll give myself a seven right yeah. now. <laughs> And I love you shared about the values because who, as I've been diving deeper into my own um, entrepreneurship, whatever business journey, 
and connecting with my values, especially through my like branding strategy process that I take clients with, like it's identifying those things that are most important and how can you align your life to just support those values? Because I think foundationally at the bottom of it all, there's just this sense of fulfillment and joy that we're all seeking, right? And I love that moment that you had in Mallorca with your husband. You're like, yeah, like this is it. Like you're in it. And that's so cool. Yeah. Like I feel that for you, Jess. Like I'm like, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good moment. Yeah. A good moment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My last yeah. final question here. So as you know, my brand is all about the home and the essence and feeling mm. of all of it. So I'm curious, what does home mean to you? Or what is your favorite memory? of home, if you can share. I think home has had a lot of different meanings in the last couple of years because we've moved around so much. Like I think, you know, right now we have the luxury of like having just bought this house and we have no furniture because we sold it all when we left New York. So we're buying all new furniture and all new stuff. And it's so fun. And it feels like home feels so much about the, the space and the stuff, but you know, the last couple of years, we've been living in furnished rentals with like a couple suitcases and home was really about just our family, about, you know, the rituals that we kept, about the recipes that we make, about the energy of, you know, hosting people. Um, I think, you know, home is something that I, I need. Like, I, I haven't really had it because we've been moving around so much and I feel this deeper sense of connectivity to like a place and putting a bit of a stake in, in the ground of like, this is who we are. This is where we live. This is our home. There, there's something very grounding for me about that. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited to just like be here for a while and not move. Um, and I think, you know, this season makes me think of growing up. My, we have this like little screened in porch in our backyard, my parents' house. And my parents are just like great hosts and would throw great dinner parties. And there was so much pride in like creating these beautiful meals and just so much joy in that. Um, and it was, you know, the music and the wine and the food. And it wasn't, um, I don't know, it was just there, there was a lot of, a lot of joy there. I think I, I definitely grew up with that like spirit of bringing people together and, you know, creating an experience. Um, and I'm really excited to be able to do that as we kind of like get our furniture in and <laughs> to yeah. be able to do that here. I want like my son to grow up with those feelings too of like our home being like a heartbeat of community and, oh, um, so you know, yeah. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much yeah. for sharing, Jess. This was a magical conversation. I feel like we could thank talk you for so hours. Much. I know. And I want to like write down everything. I'm like, oh, oh. there's so much so many good intentions yeah. I feel like that we said and yeah, yeah it's it's cool. hard it's hard sometimes to like live these truths even though we know that they're true so it's really helpful to like say it out loud and yeah and like just anchor like, us anchor us in the statements like like I feel like both yeah. of us at many points said like this is we're reminding ourselves of this we're gonna take our own yes. advice and I feel just like yes. verbalizing it because I think there's so much power and like yes you think your thoughts but when you speak them out loud it becomes true. more of like you're managing them in a way not yes. like woo woo but like it's true yeah. I think like having these conversations so important and I I've derived so much fulfillment and joy from everything that you shared so thank you again for coming on yeah. I'm so excited to bring this thank to the you world. so much for having me I adore you you're so talented you're so special and I'm just I'm so glad to have met you and be able to collaborate with you and I can't wait to just create more magic together hi again it's me 
Thank you so much for tuning in. Hopefully you were able to garner some takeaways and nuggets for your personal home journey. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world if you left a rating and review. And if you'd like to connect deeper, find me at Studio Domka on Instagram, where I share content on all things home, of course. (laughs) Sending a big, cozy, homey hug your way, friends. Till next time.